sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. See, if only that were true. I sing because I can't cry without you. You were the only thing I knew before I could hit a note, and you was the only thing that was true before you left that note and dipped and gave me every reason to hate you. For the last couple of years, I've been trying to find you. I'm even getting a college degree to understand the things you might have gone through. But after all that, after all that, you just become another poem. Just another anecdote to my creative decorum, so I'm like bumpet. Emotional treasons, irrational reasons, and new beginnings for new reasons to write. So I'm like, uh. So I'm like, check it, check it. See, I'm trying to find my spot in the continuum of time, trying to discover my essence with some lyrical rhymes to tell me tears are emotions that the words can't express. So I'm figuring, configuring my greatest asset, trying to flee from this thought that my mind's been break, feeling like pouring my soul in these rhymes I make. So I stop. I try to take a moment in time, try to let the rain, let the rain cool my mind. That is Epica. Chilome, and she will be joining us. We've got an interview from Jorge Ramos. More about Mocondo. Welcome to the Latino Literary Renaissance. Cue the intro music. This is Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say. On the air. Tuning you into the Latino literary renaissance in all its splendor. Interviews, teatro, rap, fiction, poetry, memorias, composer spotlights, and more. Always mas. It's Tuesday, 6 p.m. Central in the fourth largest city in America. You expect us live at 100,000 watts. We want to thank Erika for giving you 100,000 watts extra at the top of the show. Welcome to our friends from Sound Awake. Welcome to folks who have tuned in too early for the show after us coming to America. You're about to find out the state of the Latino literary renaissance. This is Tony Diaz, Libro Ficante. We are joined by our crew. We are, of course, live on 90.1 FM KPFT. This is going to make history. The hard copies of this will be kept at the Hispanic Collections at the Houston Public Library. The University of Houston maintains our digital archives. And right now, I hope this is being played in classrooms somewhere in the future. Today on the program, we will be checking in on the Writers' Retreat, the Writers' Movement, the Writers' Familia called Mocondo, started long ago by Sandra Cisneros, still alive and thriving. I am back and electric Erika had a chance to throw down there as well. We'll touch bases about that. Can't wait to convene with her about that. Also scheduled interview with Jorge Ramos. Some folks right now are going nuts right now. You must you you may have become a fan over the years. If the name doesn't ring a bell, you may remember him as the Latino journalist who got kicked out of a Trump press conference. Right as 45's campaign against Latinos 
was fomenting. He has a new book called Stranger, The Challenge of a Latino Immigrant in the Trump Era. He's a friend of the show. And we always kick it off with the soapbox. We got a lot to talk about. I'm just going to bring Erika in a little early to talk about that. But I also want you to know, on the political side, we're getting ready because Ted Cruz also known as Lion Ted Cruz, has agreed to five debates with Beto O'Rourke. And I had called this earlier. I had said that typically incumbents duck challengers. And when they feel that they're ahead, that's all they do. I said, the day that Cruz wants debates means the day he feels vulnerable. That day is here, ladies and gentlemen. He's picked Five dates in five cities, all on Friday nights. He's controlled the issues. They start in Dallas. He's doing a town hall in San Antonio. He's doing a town hall in McAllen on immigration. What was he thinking? That one is scheduled for September 14th. Maybe because he's not really Hispanic, he didn't realize he's walking into the Rio Grande Valley. On Hispanic, on the eve before Hispanic Heritage Month, to talk about immigration, <laughs> like, um, that is crazy. But he made up the rule. Likewise, he'll be coming to Houston as well. I forgot this is his hometown. How does it feel to be hated in your own hometown? Because I know he's he's not going to win Houston. <laughs> he's not going to win Harris County. So I think it's hilarious that that he's going to come to his hometown. And guess what, ladies and gentlemen, we must start planning the largest protest ever. Of course, protests will follow him throughout the state, especially in McAllen, when he has the nerve to go talk about immigration. We've got to top it. We've got to have larger protests here. We will let you know. You can go to a few websites TheOtherSideTV.com, LibroTraficante.com will give you reports. As soon as we know the locations, we can start planning. But we must make it clear to the whole nation. We want everyone in the country to know that Lion Ted is not loved in his hometown. Now, of course, we're a nonprofit station, so I can't tell you which way to vote. So I'm not. I want you to watch these debates. I want you to make up your mind. But I can tell you some facts. Here's one fact. Ted Cruz ain't Hispanic. Okay. <laughs> and that's, and that's Erika. Hey, you can jump in. <laughs> and, and if he is, I want him to say, I'm proud to be Latino. Right. 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 Let him say it. Let him say it. Let him say it. Because I have not heard him say it. Have you ever heard no. him say that? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I've heard other Republicans say it for him. Cool. Right, and, and they'll argue with me, and I'm like, "Well, this can be settled quick. All homeboys got to do is come out and say, yeah. 'I'm proud to be Latino.' Right, right. Not even in Spanish. Right? You don't even have to. You don't have to say Latino. It's, you can say Latino. <laughs> I am Latino. <laughs> you know, he, he can do all that because what what really bugs me is for him to get the benefits. There may be some folks that aren't aware, maybe, and might vote for him because they see the name Cruz. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They don't know that he's a double cruiser, a double crosser, <laughs> <laughs> right? And, and, and again, 
you know, there, there's going to be some Latinos who are like, well, really, Tony, you know, you, you know, you, you don't have to vote a certain way. No, but you can't turn your back on Latinos. Mm-hmm. You can't benefit from a broken immigration system, verdad? Mm-hmm. Verdad? That's right. So That's right. I, I, I want to see that come out in these debates as we get ready for these five different cities. Now, one of those cities might change, probably the one in Lubbock, because Beto wants one in his home turf. But we're still waiting to get the finalized dates and times. We will keep you posted. I want to make sure that you know about another event as well that has to do with important issues for the community. We need to put Houston Latino Art on the map. We're going to have a kickoff event Wednesday, August 29th. 6 p.m. at City Hall in the Legacy Room, which is 901 Bagby. The zip code is 77002. Parking is a challenge. <laughs> but we do want to kick off different events. We want to put Houston Latino Art on the map. If you are an artist, if you know artists, if you are a formal Latino arts organization, if you want to become one, if you're an informal arts organization, show up. We're going to come up with ways for you to become an ambassador for Latino art in your community. And the day of our community being underrepresented in funding is over. That's right. Verdad? It's our time. Okay? And I'm going to say one last thing about this, too. When we said that Arizona's ban of Mexican market studies would be overturned, people thought we were crazy. Verdad? That's crazy talk to think that a community that doesn't have capital, that is you know, seen as um, not interested in education, that they could overturn that, that racist law was overturned. When we said Texas would implement Mexican American studies, people thought never going to happen. It happened. I'm telling you right now, uh, the Latino community is at least 40%. It will be at least 50% if we're undercounted at the next census. We do not get that same amount of arts funding. Hear me now, that will change more about that later because now i want to get to the cultural capital we have a little time right now before we get to the jorge ramos interview uh, erica right now i'm going to talk to you as an intellectual i want to talk about the beautiful cultural capital of mocondo oh my goodness yes, that yes, was wonderful yes yes and it's it was so it was my first year at mocondo here i am this young emerging uh writer and and arts activist and in, in in dallas i'm based in dallas and uh and i get to hear the wealth sandra cisneros came this year after a hiatus of macondo um i think it was a year or two that they didn't have it um and to hear all the the elders kind of stand up and say i mean it you could just feel it in the room. This is a movement that do- doesn't come just from the intellectual um, pursuit mm. of artists. It comes from the spiritual Boom. responsibility that we have to our ancestors, to our future mm. generations, to provide a safe space in the midst of this craziness, in the midst of this country, to say our stories are our sacred wealth. Our stories are our resource in the fight against all of this craziness. Um, um, that this history, the history of this country has, has, has nurtured and grown. And so we have to, so we have to nurture and grown these spaces like Macondo, um, to arm ourselves, to, to nurture ourselves, to allow us to see clearly. And, you know, you, you made a point of, uh, Ted Cruz, you know, it's like some people might vote for him because his last name is Cruz. I mean, in my mind, as, as a storyteller, as, as a, as a historian, because I think that one of the sisters at Macondo said, you know, she said, you know, our, our fiction writers and our poets are historians. 
historians That's because they're you know in these institutions where history his story right <laughs> and, and his <laughs> being a white man's right. story are not a, a true representation of who we are who we are is represented in 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 the spirit of the cultural creators culture bearers of our people and so you know as people who are keeping these stories you know i'm i'm thinking man you know our people don't understand how a a man like Ted could have his last name like Cruz and and we're not remembering in the legacy of this country and the legacy of colonialism why a lot of us have uh, names like Cruz and 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 can do things like mm. endorse genocide endorse mm. you know cultural erasure endorse you know white supremacy um, and that is that is our responsibility as as the the story keepers to continue reminding us we have a story and a narrative that is not being told and we need to continue investing in places where we're bubbling up all of those arms for us to arm our people and our children and our elders and, and everyone. So, you know, it's, it's important. Um, it's important. Makonda was a magical place in, in the in the legacy of the name. You know, it was it was a place where I felt affirmed and loved. And I'm in this room with all these badass, mm. um, accomplished writers of all ages and generations where there's no ego. There's no, hey, I have three more books than <laughs> you do. Um, and maybe there was and I didn't see it, but I didn't feel it at but all. That, that's a great point though because you're right mm -hmm. i mean it, it, they they walk the talk and and walk they talk the talk and walk the walk of That's social right. justice That's because right. you're right i mean you know there's some folks like uh reggie who is nationally published down to earth i mean this man okay i'm gonna t i'm gonna i'm gonna shout out to reggie in a big way in a huge way okay day three it took a lot of resource and community support i want to shout out to everyone who gave money to my gofundme to even get me to Macondo, right and there were so many people including jose who's here in the studio who what's gave up jose money, <laughs> you know gave me little lunch money so i could make it down um and day three you know i was hurting for money and we were out and everybody wanted to and you know i was like man you know what should i do should i you know spend the little money i have and he came up to me handed me money and we ten dollars and was like get get what you need. And Tony Diaz came up to me, handed me and this brother Frankie twenty dollars. He said, "Buy me a drink and buy whatever you want. We didn't have to pay anything for a meal that night." And and of course, <laughs> I be, I think what was beautiful is we supported each other. That's right. Just like the founder Sandra Cisneros had envisioned. Right. But she too said that Mokondo had been in a coma. Yeah. So I think what was beautiful is that it really was a magical workshop this year. Yeah, because we believed we revived that spirit and affirmed mm -hmm. everyone was affirmed in the sense of this place is needed. And folks it from all needed. over Minnesota, mucho mucho de Califas yeah, y Tejas. Yeah, for real. Like, <laughs> Cali's represented in a big way, in a man. Big way, but they were awesome. <laughs> they were, they really were. And so, yeah, we had each other's back. You know, mm -hmm. I tell that story because it was like it was so heartfelt for me knowing that we know the importance of that space. So we're going to be family and community. Exactly. We're going to treat each other like you need something. I got you. You know, and that was beautiful. Which, I'm the recipient of a Master of Fine Arts in Creative Writing. We never talk like that in a creative writing never, workshop. Never, never. It's it all is about aesthetics. Opposite. And they chop that off. They yeah. chop that connection off. Yeah. Be it aesthetics where you're not supposed to write about politics. Never mind that, you know, Pablo Neruda wrote political poems and the white folks love them. You know, all of a sudden you, you write your political poems like, oh, I don't think That's so. That's a like, little. You know, <laughs> why is it so political? Yeah. And then, and then on top of it too where it seems that the further you get into the mainstream academic institution, you're encouraged and rewarded to separate yourself from the community. I'm, right. not, I'm not knocking the that's folks right. who do it because that's we're right. not taught otherwise. Yeah, that's right. But I want them. I want our our writers to know that when you're lost and abandoned by those systems, right. that's what they did to you. Right, 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 and right. Now, and, and 
Sandra's a great example of someone that has not forgotten that. Yeah, now, for yeah. folks that are like, I, I wish they'd stop talking about it because I'm jealous now. Mm. Next year, it's right. back. Right, right, right. com. That's right. There will be a call for submissions. Mm-hmm. Applications. Applications. Mm-hmm. And you then, have to apply. This is, you know, it's a, it's important for us to to also recognize, like, you know, that if we're gonna put that much work to go to a white institution and like get an MFA, like, let's put our best foot forward to show, hey, I'm here. I want to be here. Aquí estoy. I want to show up. Um, and it, you know, it's a simple application. It's not too too mm-hmm. extensively out of the way from what we're already, you know, taught to do. And um, and yeah, and I encourage everyone to apply, even if you don't get in, continue applying. You know, because that's part to learn yes, from yeah absolutely and you you do want to there are opportunities at Macondo always and for my tell always this year certainly that they're open to the public seminars open to the public opportunities to like Sander Cisneros read this year um, for you to come and convivir and be a part of the community and get to know people and of course it's like once you get to know your family your family gets to know you and you're able to apply and, mm. and, and try again you know so I encourage everyone 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 and it's such an honor to have it in Texas in San Antonio y ese raíz that it comes from here it comes at a time and a place so um appropriate you know it's mm-hmm. like we need the stories of texas to continue being told and nurtured of the southwest of our gente so and i'm gonna add three things and then we can chat more or move on i want to i'm gonna look into the the uh studio make sure we have the next interview ready to go in a little bit okay we will get to that as planned but i want to say three three quick things one Mocondo is not a 501c3 nonprofit. In other words, that is cultural capital from our community. Yeah, so straight up. No funding, no straight grants up. from anybody. Right. And here's the other thing. Everything you just described is powerful and valuable. None of that is recognized by a grant mm-hmm. granting institution. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. the situation we're in. Right. Right. Um, and it's also powerful in the sense, and maybe this is like, you know, we can talk a little bit more about that. It's also powerful in the sense that it's not operating to fulfill white institutional expectations of what is progress. We get to decide what is necessary, what is needed, who is going to show up to provide that, that work. And we're completely reliant on what we need and what we want. I mean, part of being a nonprofit and adjusting ourselves to these institutions is that we're constantly playing for the white gaze. We're constantly playing for what they expect that we need or we have to perform what they think we need. I mean, it's some twilight bullshit, right? <laughs> you have to explain, too, how social justice works. So we're always wind up trying to say, well, yes, aesthetics are important, but now we're introducing social justice mm. and trying to make that work, mm. which is complicated. And sustainability, right? What does it mean for us to nurture something uh, for years and years and years through generations and recognize in what happens in the ripple effect in the consciousness of our gente, knowing that this place is so important and we don't have to depend on any outside sources to keep it running. So, you know, it's so important that we, you know, donate. Donate to Macondo. Recognize that if somebody needs to go and wants to go and is raising money, donate to them. Like, to the writers, yes, too. Yes, donate like to the mentioned. writers. When you go to the public events, buy the writers' books. I mean, this makes the difference of being able for us to continue sustainably on our own terms, continue el movimiento. And we might we might get back to that as well, depending on which way the conversation goes. We, we have a lot to touch on. But two other things I want to add, because I want you to know this. This is exciting. One. Get ready for the Mokondo Anthology. That's yes. so cool. Yes, yes totally. It's coming. <laughs> 
yeah. yeah, we're talking about, for those who don't know, there's been about 300 participants that have gone through Macondo, um, all of which who are brilliant, amazing people accomplishing their own right, I'm sure. And for us to pull together our narratives over the time and course of such a beautiful entity being alive, it is powerful. These are our stories by us, for us, on our own terms. And nuestra know? palabra is first to announce that. That's what's up. <laughs> That's what's up. <laughs> and then also for next year, the founder... Sandra Cisneros will be giving a workshop down bed. So y'all better go. Y'all better start writing now. <laughs> y'all better start writing right yep. now. Yep. 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 But hey, thank you so much for tuning in. I do want to give a shout out to the crew in the cabina next to me. Want them to say hi because this show, they are the backbone of it. Mm. And they did a great job. Thank you so much for letting me go to Macondo, taking over the show last week and putting a great show together this week. Say hi, crew. Hello. Hey, what's up, guys? Alexis from Houston, Texas here. Hello, this is uh, Joe Anthony. You tune into Nuestra Palabra. Yes, Nuestra Palabra. This is Letty. <laughs> and Letty, you got some news about your employment, don't you? Yes, I do. I got employed somewhere. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> any place close that you're allowed to reveal? No. Oh, you're not allowed to reveal? <laughs> any, anyway, it's very close to here. <laughs> which, is, which is great news. Because, again, we're talking about 10 years, I'd love to see more Rasa as cultural workers yeah. compensated. Yeah. Yeah. And then, right now then, we put together, I want to thank Bobby for helping us put together the next interview. We taped it with Jorge Ramos. We're going to cut to that. We'll have a little musical attitude and we'll be back with Erika. Hopefully flowing. I do want to talk more. I just want to shoot the breeze with you. <laughs> but you're experiencing Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say on the air. Marcharemos con el tono, con la convicción que basta de robo. Tu estado de control, tu trono podrido de oro. Tu política y tu riqueza y tu tesoro no. La hora sonó, la hora sonó. No permitiremos más, más tu doctrina del shock. La hora sonó, la hora sonina del shock. La hora sonó, la hora sonina del shock. La hora sonó, la hora sonina del shock. La hora sonó, la hora sonó Mis países solo corporaciones ¿Quién tiene más, más, más acciones? Tosos, gordos, poderosos Decisiones por muy pocos Constitución, pinochetista Derecho, pues de hilando fascista Golpista, disfrazado de un indulto Elitista, cae la gota, cae la bolsa La toma, se toma la máquina rota La calle no calle, la calle se raya La calle no calle, debate que está ya todo lo quitan, todo lo venden Todo se lucra, la vida, la muerte Todo es negocio, bajo tu tonto, semilla, pascuela, metodo Tus discursos sin colores, no ves que no estamos solos Millones de polo a polo, al son de un solo coro Marcharemos con el tono, con la convicción Que basta de robo, tu estado de control, tu trono podrido de oro Tu política y tu riqueza y tu tesoro, no La hora sonó, la hora sonó No permitiremos más, más tu doctrina del shock La hora sonó Golpe, golpe de 
verso a verso con las ganas y el aliento con cenizas con el fuego del presente con recuerdo con certeza y con desgarro con el objetivo claro con memoria y con la historia el futuro es ahora todo este tu ensayo todo este laboratorio que a diario todo este fallo todo este económico modelo condenado de dinosaurio todo se criminaliza todo se justifica en la noticia todo se quita todo se pisa todo se ficha y clasifica Nuestra palabra, Latino writers having their say, is very happy to welcome back to our airwaves and to the Nuestra Palabra familia, an advocate for freedom of speech, for our community, and for intellectualism, journalist Jorge Ramos, as we celebrate his new book, Stranger, The Challenge of a Latino Immigrant in the Trump Era. Welcome back to Nuestra Palabra, Jorge. Thank you, Tony. Thanks for inviting me. And congratulations on another book. And I think right now, more than ever, it's so important for America to imagine us as intellectuals. So I've always admired that even though you're on television, which is the medium of our time, you still gave time to to books and literature, not just writing them, but promoting them. How important do you think it is for this book to come out at this time? You know, it, it's a story that needed to be told. I, I think people, people have seen the, that video of a few years ago when I went to a press conference and confronted then-candidate Donald Trump, and he ejected me with a bodyguard from a press conference. That, I never, I never thought something like that would have happened in the United States. I, I could have thought it could have been in, in another country, but not in the United States. And... Um, so that's precisely the uh, the story that I wanted that I wanted to tell, and um, and since then um, we've been experiencing probably what, what I believe are the most anti-immigrant atmosphere in this country for 35 years since I arrived. So so it's a story that needed to be told, and that it on TV it, it's it's almost impossible to to tell. That's a, that's a great point, and on top of it too, uh, we really appreciate you having been involved with Nuestra Palabra for a long time. We just had a 20th anniversary, and we've got pictures. Post- no gracias. We've got pictures of our on our website when you've joined us for for different occasions over several years. And I only bring it up too because, of course, when when Donald Trump kicked you out of that press conference, and and I think as you're alluding to and allude to, stepped on freedom of the press. And, you know, I think, too, that was, you know, also because you were Latino. Um, I always thought we'd keep progressing. And because of your commitment to our community, I figured you'd keep writing. But I figured we would enter a golden era. Like you mentioned, I didn't think we would get to the point where the civil rights advances for Latinos would have gone backwards. Um, what do you think the the mood is nationally for Latinos? Because it seems like from Texas, at least, this is a moment where at the community level there are successes. But mm-hmm. you, you mentioned some of these anti-immigrant sentiments. What do you see on a national scale? It's really interesting what you're saying, Tony, because... I, I think many people believed that by electing Barack Obama to the presidency, that somehow 
the, the country had done something historical in, in that cases of racism and discrimination that have been so prevalent in our history um, would, would, would end or at least would diminish significantly. And then came Donald Trump and everything changed. I never expected that this country would elect um, a candidate who, who made racist remarks to say that Mexican immigrants are criminals and rapists, that's a racist remark, to say that uh, a judge, Gonzalo Curiel, cannot do his job simply because <laughs> of his Mexican heritage, that's a racist <sighs> remark, Man. to say that uh, people from Haiti and certain African countries uh, come from actual countries, that's a racist remark. And I never expected that a candidate like that could make it to the White House. But that's exactly what happened. So. This is not progress. But, but I, what we are learning, Tony, is that history is not linear. History um, goes in, in many different directions. And I think right now we are living one of the most difficult moments for immigrants, for Latinos, for minorities in this country. And I, and I truly believe that um, among some of the people who voted for Donald Trump, it is not to make America great again, but it is trying to make America white again, mm. go back to 1965 when about 80% of the population um, were uh, non-Hispanic white. So I think we're living in a very difficult moment, and it is up to us to denounce it, to resist it, and to make sure that this is not something that we're going to be um, um, seeing in, in a few years from now. We're very happy to be chatting with Jorge Ramos about his new book, Stranger, The Challenge of a Latino Immigrant in the Trump Era. And as you alluded to, this is a very different format than on television because a lot of the history that you've covered happens rapidly. What I do love about the book, though, is that here then is something that we can point to, um, refer to. I, I do have a couple of quotes that I want to directly bear in on because there's a lot to pick from but i do like that then we have a place for people to to cite for reports and uh, other types of discussions but um you've written several books what is it about the the genre of the book that that is very different from the television i think it, it may seem obvious to some folks but i really do appreciate that you are at the top level of of both tell us your insights into that the difference between telling stories on TV and telling stories through books? Just Let's just begin with, with, um, with the duration. I mean, when, when I read something on TV or when I present a report, um, two minutes maybe, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe a, minute, a minute and a half. Um, I've been shortening the interviews that we conduct on, on TV. It used to be 27, eight minutes. And then they were like six, and now they're like five. And wow. On digital form, uh, a long interview has to be edited to, to no more than three minutes. Wow. And, and I, I've always said that some of the most interesting things happen um, before and after an interview, when, when the guest feels that he or she is completely relaxed and that uh, they don't have to pretend to be a persona. Everything, everything changes, and that's that's the kind of story that I that I wanted to tell. Also, I mean, they they pay me to to report the news, they pay me to do interviews, but they don't pay me to um, to reflect on my childhood 
or or on on the nostalgia that I might feel um, about the country where I was born, or or to analyze the fact that um, I, I think I'll never be American enough to many Americans. Mm. And and when I go back to Mexico, the same thing happens. I think I'll never be Mexican enough to many Mexicans. <laughs> and I'm I'm somewhere in between. And and Sandra Cisneros, the the great writer, your 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 friend, and and uh, an incredible human being. She told me, Jorge, um, you are an amphibian, an amphibian. <laughs> We're living in, in two different worlds. And I think that that reflects um, better than anything else the way I live. Sometimes I'm Mexican, sometimes I'm, I'm American, sometimes I'm Chilango from Mexico City, and sometimes I'm Chicano. And, um, <laughs> and as, I, as I've said in the past, I, I have two passports, a green passport from Mexico and a blue passport from the U.S., and I decide to be Mexican or American depending on how long is the line at the Mexico City Airport. So, <laughs> so, so it, is, it is true. Um, sometimes I choose the green one, sometimes I choose the, the, the blue one, and, um, you know, Isabel Allende once told me many, many years she was forced to choose uh, during interviews if she was more from Chile from the United States. I felt the same way. <laughs> and now I, I come to realize that I do not need to choose because I'm, I'm a little bit of everything. I'm an alebrije, again, using a word that, that Sandra Cisneros likes to use. And that is a sign of power. I'm so glad that you do have the ability to delve into that in the book form because it is power, and perhaps that is part yeah. of the threat. Exactly. And, and the, the most important thing, the... What, what we have to rea realize Tony, is that who, who we are, and we are different. I mean, I, I wish I could, I just could say, yes, I am an American, and I was born in the United States, and it's that easy. It is not that easy mm. for many people like me. It is, it is not that easy because I was born in Mexico City. I grew up in the United States. I, I have an accent. I, I try to get rid of my accent. I just simply can't. <laughs> and uh, I can't. I can't. I learned it when I was way too old. I was 25, 26. And, um, but I do understand and I do recognize that English is the language of power and influence in this mm. country. So those are the things that, um, that make me different. And, and what I'm really concerned about right now is that those who are different, those who come from another country, those who are the other, then, um, they're facing a really difficult time, and I'm okay, you know. I mean, I have, I'm legally here, I have a passport, I'm working, I'm doing fine. But just imagine if I was ejected from a press conference and I was offended by the person who right now is the president of the United States. Mm. Just imagine what's happening with those who have no protection, who have no documents, who, um, who are being separated from their children and, and who can't do anything about it so um so that's that's the time the time that we're living right now no those are those are some powerful insights but and i do want our listeners to to know too that the book is a tool that can help them get through this but also help them uh, change the narrative i want to i want to focus on uh two quotations from the book sure. uh the first one is as holocaust survivor and nobel peace prize laureate eli weasel once said no human being is illegal. A person may commit an illegal act, but nobody can be illegal 
in and of himself. And I bring it up, too, because we see it on a lot of banners sometimes. But I, I do like that now people can point to the a book and cite it. Why, why did you include that? Those words? I think it, it, is, it is very important. When, when you attack um, another person, the first thing you, you want to do, you, you dehumanize them. You, you, um, and that's what we've been hearing from the President of the United States. I mean, when, when, when he talks about immigrants and when he equates immigrants to criminals and rapists, and, uh, um, that's a lie. That's a, that's a complete lie. And, and, and every person in this world, including immigrants, uh, they have to be treated with respect and with dignity. And what we have seen in the last few, in the last couple of years is that, um, it is okay to attack immigrants. How come this is happening? Well, it's, it's very easy. If the president of the United States is the one attacking immigrants, if he's the one denigrating Latinos and, and minorities, just imagine um, how his um, supporters are going to react. If, if, if they think it is okay to attack an immigrant from the White House, well, then the same thing is going to be happening in Iowa, in Kansas, in Dallas, in Los Angeles, in Miami. So we have to be very conscious that everyone is a human being and that everyone deserves respect and that everyone should be treated with dignity. And if that is not happening, um, shame on us. Because um, we all came to this country from, from another place. Unless, if, uh, for, with the except, exception of one group, we all came from families. Uh, or from other countries. So, so I think to preserve our dignity as human beings is the most important thing. And, of course, now folks can go to Stranger, the challenge of a Latino immigrant in the Trump era, to, to dive into this, cite this in research papers, stories, etc. And I think most folks will, will get what you just said. I do like that you go further into how that is done with the use of the term illegal. And here's another quotation that I wanted folks to, to pay attention to, and, and you can connect the dots for us. But um, I, I love when you write, illegal is used to refer to people who don't have their papers in order, but it's never applied to the people or companies who hire them. Never have I heard someone say this is an illegal enterprise by the simple fact that it employs undocumented people. It's a complete double standard. I completely agree with you, but connect the dots for us on that. Yeah, when um, when I go on TV and, and I'm invited as, as a guest to discuss immigration or, or Latino politics or U.S. politics, um, many people, including many journalists, still refer to undocumented immigrants as, as illegal. And again, no, no human being is illegal. But the double standard is, is really in front of us. When, when we talk about the American companies, thousands of American companies who hire undocumented immigrants, and the millions of, of uh, U.S. citizens who benefit from their work, I, I, I never say, well, he's, here's an illegal U.S. citizen. <laughs> because, or I never say, here's an illegal U.S. company. No. Uh, but they're doing exactly the same thing. And we constantly forget, Tony, that they are here, undocumented immigrants are here because of us. Immigration is, uh, is an economic phenomenon. It has to do with supply and demand. And they are here because 
they are harvesting our food and they are taking care of our kids and they they are building the homes and the and the apartments where we live and and without immigrants um the us would be a completely different country but uh, by by trying to to dehumanize them by calling them illegals then we suddenly are tr- um treat them in a, you know in a we treat them in a completely different way and i i don't think that's right so i i try to avoid as much as possible to to call them illegal and whenever i hear anyone calling them illegal i i tell them um stop it that's not the, that's not the right way and then we can have a we can have a, a conversation um they say well they they are illegal because they they broke the law yeah that is true they they broke the law but that does not mean that as human beings they are illegal and and i think words are important i think i mean, you we cherish and answer you and i and, and and the audience we cherish words i think words are important in the way you use them um say a lot about who you are and and about the the things that you care about so i'm i'm very careful especially with words that might offend and might denigrate um a group of the population that's powerful and i really am glad that we can have that conversation through the book we're very happy that we can have the conversation over the the radio more than anything it really is great that you bring that sensibility in those quick blasts when you reach millions of people and talk about our culture it's great that people can understand that what's at stake and how the narrative is shaped uh there's like a hundred quotes that i could focus on i'm going to resist diving into your chapter on a useless wall i'm going to recommend folks read it because you can win plenty of arguments over over the dinner table with families if they delve into that uh give us some some parting insight into the book before we let you go that we that we may have missed well, you know, right at the end, Tony, I did something for my kids, uh, Paola and, and Nicolas, and I, I wanted to write something for them, and and I was thinking, well, what what if I wouldn't be here? What kind of message? What kind of advice um, could I give my my children? And then I thought, um, be a rebel, and and the chapter is called disobey, and I want them to disobey when in front of racism i want them to disobey uh, in front of discrimination i want them to disobey in front of injustice and i think uh, in a time like this uh, we we need to understand the importance of of being a rebel because i i don't think we should uh, obey anyone who's making racist statements and sexist statements and xenophobic statements. I think we have to disobey, and as journalists and as human beings and as U.S. citizens, we, we, only, we, we not only have the right, but I think we have the obligation to take a stand. This is not a time to be, uh, to be neutral. Neutrality, uh, again, Elie Wiesel, only helps the oppressor, never the victim. And... and in a few years from now, when my kids ask me, "Hey, Dad, you were a journalist when Donald Trump was president. What did you do?" Mm. I can I mm. I can say, Tony, that I that I confronted him, that I asked questions, and that I stood up, that I didn't stay silent, that I didn't sit down, and that I resisted. 
and 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 I'm okay with that. I mean, I'm okay with that. I think I would be miserable if I had not taken um, that position. And and it is very important for all of us to understand that these are not normal times. It is not normal to have a president who makes racist or sexist and xenophobic statements. That is not normal. Uh, and and if we normalize that behavior, then it's on us. And I, I'm not willing to sit down silently uh, and accept that. I am, I am not. So the message and the advice to my kids and to everyone listening is disobey, disobey, disobey. Powerful words from a great champion for our community, Jorge Ramos. Thank you so much for chatting with us about Stranger, the challenge of a Latino immigrant in the Trump era. Gracias. Gracias, Tony. I'm from Immigrant Dreams. Born amidst war and faded stories of rape and guerrilla warfare from instinctual survival. From creativity caught in 22 or 15 children with no shoes to witness mommy getting beat in the other room only to be told over and over again, this is where you come from. This is who you'll be. Villages killed and teachers hung by U.S. trained military. I said villages killed and teachers hung by U.S. trained military. See, we were trained to hold our tongues. To become field slaves who hung in the night for a new visionary. Believing freedom is still to come. We believe freedom is still to come. So we sleep and bathe in the stench of this American dream. Knowing that in reality, I come from the need to survive so that we may live. So that I may give and belong. If not to a family, then to a struggle and a song. If not to me, madre, then to me, pueblo and these poems. See, I was raised on the memories of my people so that I may know them. And I may remember that I come from border crossing. From crushing silence and the desperation of belonging, from broken hearts and minds, but fighting spirits, always fighting. En la lucha, no hay de otra. Si se puede, si se puede seguir in this never-ending desire to be, to be from something more than lost childhood dreams. To be someone more than child of child who knew no tenderness in their seams, who cannot name their tears, who are without the privilege of living without fear. You see, I come from the need to survive so that we may live. Pero me dicen... Oye, niña, ¿quién tiene tiempo para justicia si tengo que limpiar esta casa y dar de comer a mi familia antes de ir a mi segundo trabajo? And they tell me, yo, e, who has time for justice anyways when all I have is just us and a payday? See, I say true. But to answer your question, I have not seen, I have not seen, I have not found my home in a city or a place. Rather, I find my seeds sown and grown in the potential of this here space or in the midst of it all. All you really need to know is that I come from the living, that we may remember to disobey, that we may remember to continue in this way where we are all free and we welcome the new day. Yeah. That is the flow of Erika Chilome. She is a literary arts activist and cultural worker who uses the mediums of writing, poetry, speaking, committee organizing, and performance. A queer child of Salvadoran and Mexican immigrant activist, she was raised in social justice movements, grounded in the tradition of spiritual activism. She holds a BA in social and political philosophy from Loyola University, Chicago, and an MA in multicultural women's studies from Texas Women's University, where her research focused on the decolonial power of spiritual artivism. Currently based in Dallas, Texas, 
Edika has been asked to share poetry and speak on social justice issues on multiple media platforms, including MP Radio, and in spaces around the country, including when the Libertafikantas rode one more time across town. She flowed at our underground library in San Antonio. And also throughout Latin America, she's done TEDx Talks, NPR, Pacifica Today, The Huffington Post, GLAD, the Tucson Poetry Festival, Prindle Institute for Ethics, the Dallas Museum of Art, Duke University, the Black Academy of Arts and Letters, and the Texas Democratic Convention. She has produced and published numerous articles, essays, plays, and poems, including a collection of poetry that explores queer, indigenous mestizaje in the diaspora entitled She Speaks Poetry, praised by the founder of Tamaxina en Español, a must-read for those yearning to discover new ways to open up to deep, personal and global transformation. In 2017, Erika was named Top 25 Most Influential Artist in Dallas Fourth Worst by Artist Uprising Magazine. Most recently, inspired by her years of work within indigenous communities, she has co-written an indigenous futurism play that engages non-traditional forms of sci-fi and theater, making by placing at the forefront women of color visions for alternative futures it made its world premiere and we're a little jealous april 20 april 14th 2018 in that other city dallas <laughs> dallas texas i guess we got a love i guess we don't love that's fine <laughs> where earth meets the sky is a theatrical performance that calls us to examine our human relationship to the earth to each other and to a present and past that is steeped in systematic and global violence Blessed to have you here, especially after Mokondo. Thank you for flowing right after Jorge Ramos. Tambien. It was an honor. I mean, Jorge Ramos, what a champion of our stories, of our realities. I mean, beyond him being good looking, I mean, it's like, <laughs> I had to put that <laughs> Sorry, in Sorry, it's radio. We can't tell. <laughs> No one can tell that. <laughs> no one can tell when you look them up. <laughs> but, you know, I remember I was telling Tony that, like, you know, I one of the first resources that I put my hands to when I was 13 years old was one of his, his earlier So what books. grade were you in? I was in eighth grade. So eighth, eighth grade, grade eighth here grade. comes the book. Here comes uh, the book. Uh, which, the Other Face one? of America. And you wound up writing about it and for I, a research yeah, paper. for a research paper. But, and let's pause studies. there. Let's pause there because supposedly... That's what we want, the right. youth to embrace right. literature. Supposedly, too, that's what our community is accused of is not being interested. Here you are all over it. Tell all us more. I write this beautiful paper. I'm still so proud of that eighth grade paper. I mean, that was kind of one of the beginnings of that when I knew I needed to write. Oh, no kidding. Write. When oh, I knew I wow. needed to write. When I knew I needed to write about intentionally about what was happening to my family and my community. And... What happened after I turned in this amazing piece of literature made by my young, fiery mind, um, connected and relevant and critical at that time and still relevant? Uh, the teacher accused me of plagiarism. No kidding. Oh, the teacher my. accused me of plagiarizing because there was no way in, that I could as this well, brown mujer. After class, everyone may go except <laughs> you. Yes, exactly. Because this appears... So advanced That's to right. not be plagiarized. That's right. That's right. I mean, it says That's a lot terrible. about how the educational system sees young people, about our inability, assuming our inability to make connections critically. Well, and we're profiled we're the wrong ways all the time. Mm -hmm. So are we lazy? Right. 
You know, right. or do we not care about education? We're not have the capacity to be intellectual. So and, the, we'll and when we are, perhaps we, we cheated. And, and <clears throat> go back. I mean, uh, stand and deliver talks yeah, about that. Right. Uh, you know, uh, Lorna de Cervantes actually go, go Google her during the Libertad Caravan talking about a, right. an administrator saying you can't go to college. And here you are testifying right, to that. Right, right. How did you overcome that? I mean, um, because I can imagine that happens throughout the educational course, system. And it happened to and me kids numerous times. Numerous in times. college, my first semester in college, I tell this story all the time. Verdad. So I went to, so I ended up graduating from school in the hood. And, you know, our education systems fail us, man. You know, as, as promising as I was, as wanting to be a writer, et cetera, et cetera, I was like, you know, was not prepared to write at college level. I get to college. I, I I write all these papers. I'm getting like, you know, they're not flunking me because they like me. And they're like, but then I go to the writing center that whole semester. I'm busting my butt to like learn how to write competently and to the level that this institution is telling us we should be performing. And all three of those professors accused me of plagiarism because I was able to get better at my craft and get better. At, <laughs> so it was like this constant affirmation that I was never going to be perceived. Obviously, the teaching I'm doing for you has never worked this well. <laughs> I mean, self-deprecating, so right? you've got to be cheating. <laughs> I mean... I never fixed anybody's writing this much. <laughs> I mean, I wish that was the assumption. My innate impulse and intuition was that this was racism. This was a clear, you know, a direct kind of insult, not on the institution, not to themselves, onto me. And, and how, did you, <clears throat> how did you overcome that? Unfortunately, I never wrote well enough to, <laughs> to, to, draw, to draw the attention. I mean... But, so, so how do you get past that? Because I'm trying to I'm trying to make light of it mm. because you are outspoken, so uh, you're a powerful performer. Mm. If you don't believe me, mm. many people apply the Makondo. Mm, yeah. And I think we should talk about that yeah, too because should. because as communities too, there's so much talent, but we wanna aspire to, to, to meet that criteria because that is an arena where it's not gonna be graded or judged based on all this uh discriminate discriminatory tactics that kept us out because they do love social justice. Yeah. However, we, we can't say instances where that yeah. was not the case. No, How did you get I'm through just, that? I mean what did you tell uh, yourself? I mean honestly and I write a little bit about this, I knew that I had the capacity to be a storyteller because hip hop told me so. Because hip hop as this cultural movement, as this freedom music that was around me and was an accessible literary form of art, you know, mm. you know, it was it was a literary art form that 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 told me that I had a place, that Man. my stories had a place. Man. And so it's important for us to recognize within the literary world that like, you know, hip hop MCs were people that affirmed oh. little kids like me and, to be and, able to and write took language and turned it upside down Absolutely. in ways we're used to seeing the world upside down, but in ways that said no. The language playing games with you, you can sentence yourself That's to this right. or the sense consent right. of that. I love That's it. Right. I love it. And then also recognizing like these institutions were not for me. The more radical and woke I, I, I became in terms of like understanding the history of these institutions, the education system in this country, you know, I knew that I was never gonna fit in. So I needed to find validation outside of that reality. You know and what though? That was spoken word poetry. I'm about to say Yeah, that was spoken was word to, poetry. I'm about to say we control the mic right now, so I'm gonna I'm gonna stop the knowledge. You're giving away too much knowledge, <laughs> uh, and, and we only got about uh, four minutes left. I'd love for you to just flow. I mean, I just want to keep talking to you, yeah. um, which is great because you are prolonging the wonderful intellectual adrenaline that I received from Okondo. I'm gonna let you flip through the pages, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I, I do want to add too a few things that came up in Okondo were that you know we had to ad address the whole idea of 
the the phrase that poetry doesn't sell but let's make something clear yeah poetry may not make direct capital but it is the basis of some powerful cultural capital that is valuable to us and you gave us one reason that it's so valuable is that it edifies our youth and mm. helps them mm. get through this discriminatory system that mm. on its best days ignores us and on its worst day tries to chew us up and spit us out we're gonna take us poet we're gonna take us poet where who Endowed with the power of life through human form, I am charged with the task of making sure my sisters and brothers are warned that there must be room for new life. New forms of existence and new heights consider the breaking of the seed and its desire to be ripe in order to start all over again. In order to start all over again, I and we have taken to paper and pen in hopes that you will hear me. In hopes that you will see me, in hopes that you might remember, may we remember, to hear the stories of women who are silenced and not voiceless. May we be courageous. May we be courageous enough to hear ghetto children's voices who know survival as a creative act found in the rhythms beaten into desks and walls and overcrowded classrooms on the south side or in the ink that covers their wounded bodies who encounter the price of war and poverty every day of their lives. May we remember. Their lives are shaped by how much their life is valued or systemically thrown away. And they inherit to manifest every single memory born of women of color today who have been deemed too poor and savage to behave as mothers. May we remember the countless women of color who have had their children removed from their care by state forces because they could not afford divorces from their abusers, users, 501c3s, and other government entities who will count their heads and write their poverty porn stories for your consumption. May we remember the queer women of color struggling to build healthy families and communities without access to basic liberties like walking outside without the threat of being left to die in the back of a convenience store in Houston, Texas. May we remember the women of the global south who put trembling hands and weeping mouth when they found their children had been kidnapped and sold by American and European adoption agencies. May we never forget the long history and present-day reality of women of color who have been sterilized without their consent in the clinics, prisons, and colonies of this so-called land of the free. May we work hard to honor the children of color who have confused their desire to have child with their desire to have love their families cannot afford to give them over four generations due to mass incarceration, economic displacement, gentrification, and systemic poverty. May we be courageous enough to recognize we are both the villains and heroes in these stories of reproductive tragedies. May we see our reflections in those who have been deeply wounded by violent fantasies of excess and economic freedoms. May we tell stories that complicate and humanize instead of simplify and victimize. May we tell stories that complicate and humanize instead of simplifying victimize no matter how much courage it takes in the words of my sister Asha Monet may we be courageous may we be courageous may we be courageous may we always 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 be courageous thank you Erika Chilome wonderful to have you here Thank you, Tony Diaz, legend in our community, uh, legend in, in this country, in this place, in this movement. Your legacy has not been lost on any of us, younger generations, and we give thanks. I'm honored to be here at this table talking to you. Unidos por Bocondo, nuestra palabra, and the word, we got a show, we got hey. a movement, hey. hey. Hey, hey, I want everybody to give a shout out. Yo, ven pa' acá, Jose, say hi, man. Come on, you gotta say, you gotta give a shout out. Ven pa' acá, ven pa' acá, Nata. All right here, right here, right here. Shout out everyone. My name is Jose Perez. Everybody in Houston, saludos. Hey. Welcome back. Saludos, Houston. This is Nata. Just saying hi. And you'll be back. <laughs> Once again, this is Alexis from Houston, Texas. And this is Letty. And this is Joe Anthony. You listen to Nuestra Palabra. And shout out to Marlene, Libre Tafik and Tamalu, who's not feeling well, but whose spirit's here. Tune in next week. Stay tuned to KPFT. Remember, only art can save us. Thanks for tuning in. Adios. Adios. Peace, Peace out. Oh.
Thousands of you have heeded the call, but there's always room for more. You can find KPFT on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. From our latest updates to funny videos, contests, news, and more, you can find us anytime, day or night. We're at KPFT Houston on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. We'd love to give you the latest. Plus, you're already on Facebook. Why not get behind the scenes of Houston's leader for independent music, arts, ideas, and culture right now? Again, find us at KPFT Houston on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. See you there. Atención a todos los miembros de KPFT. Empezando este mes, 